Now, these were real eggs. She, she had actually put holes in the front and back of the egg and then somehow extracted the yolk. And then she painted them, and then she delicately placed them on the branches of her tree. I passed by this house going to and from school each day, and, and one day it dawned on me they would make perfect targets for my bow and arrow. And so, coming home from school, I filled an entire shirt full. I had it piled up, and so on my way home, some of them fell out onto the ground and smashed. And I was in the backyard taking aim and just having a wonderful time when I spied my neighbor looking at me through the slatted cedar fence. I probably heard her shriek. Well, she went and told my father. I received a large Easter spanking. And it was, a, it was a great lesson for me. And today I have a great lesson for you. As far as I know, that's the last time I stole. So it was a good lesson. A number of years ago, my family was attending a church where we were convinced the pastor doesn't believe Jesus actually rose from the dead. He kept saying, it's a mystery. And Sabrina and I wanted to jump up and say, it's not a mystery, it's a miracle. God brought Jesus alive from the dead. It was so frustrating. Even the unchurched woman that attended with us left and said, I don't think that preacher believes he actually is alive. I'm like, exactly. It was so frustrating. It was a service without power. People are not inspired by a mystery. They were inspired by a miracle. And so I want to just go on record right off the bat. Here at Clearwater Church, we believe that Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave. He is alive today, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And someday he's going to return. And all those of us who are united to him by faith, he will bring us back from the dead. We will inhabit a resurrected body and spend eternity with him. That's why we're here this morning. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we proclaim. If you have our Bibles, our primary text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the Apostle Paul tells us if you extract the resurrection from Christianity, you gut it. Christianity without the resurrection is gutted. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If you remove the resurrection from Christianity, it simply becomes another man-made religion, another morality. 
and there's no power in it. Notice what he says. The gospel has no power if there is no resurrection. Your faith is in vain. You are still in your sins. Without the resurrection, you can't be forgiven. We're liars because we're claiming that God raised Jesus from the dead and will someday raise us from the dead. If there is no resurrection, well, those who the dead Christian is just that, dead. If there is no resurrection, then the Christian life with its self-denial and self-sacrifice in order to obtain the kingdom of God is pitiable. In verse 33, he says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? Well, praise be to God. There is a resurrection from the dead. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. What are first fruits? Well, there are always some fruits that come ripe first, and you don't want to just leave them on the vine, so you go through and uh, you pick them. They're the first fruits. And God told his people, make sure you bring me the first fruits. Well, that required faith, because what happens if there is uh, an unseasonable freeze or a hailstorm or locusts come through before the later, greater harvest? Well, in the same way, we trust God's promise that Jesus is the first fruits, but there will be another greater resurrection when Christ returns and brings forth from the dead those who belong to him. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. I have here the Easter lily. And the lily symbolizes new life, right? It reminds us of resurrection. In our text today, uh, Paul tells us that he, he uses an illustration in which he says, think of your natural body. He said, think of your earthly body as a seed. And it goes into the ground, dies, but then it will come back as something much better, right? And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is your future, and it's better. But someone will ask, verse 35, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life until it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another there's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
And so Paul's saying, here's how I want you to understand yourself. Right now we inhabit an earthly, natural body, goes into the ground someday, dies. And if you're united to Christ, it will rise again. Sown, perishable, raised, imperishable. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown weak, raised powerful. Sown natural, raised spiritual. Or another word for that is supernatural. Each Easter, I try to give some evidence for the resurrection so that we know that our uh, assurance is not just fingers crossed, wishful thinking, but rather it's rooted in uh, evidence. We have reason to believe Christ rose from the dead. And the evidence I want to give uh, this morning is the rapid growth of the early church. Uh, there, never before was there an idea that so quickly spread without violence. Uh, Within 300 years, the Roman Empire, the greatest empire on earth, which at the beginning tried hard to crush Christianity, embraced Christianity, became a Christian empire, and not a sword was pulled out of a scabbard. What accounts for that? Well, historians scratch their head and they try to explain it. Many of them try to explain it uh, apart from any uh, resurrection, and, and it's, they're left wanting. Let me read to you what uh, Adrian Warnock says in his book, Raised with Christ, How the Resurrection Changes Everything. There is no historical doubt whatsoever that a man called Jesus lived and was crucified 2,000 years ago. It's also without dispute that a group arose quickly after his death claiming he was risen. Despite the apparent absurdity of such a claim and vigorous attempts to persecute him off the face of the earth, this group grew quicker than any other before or since. Soon the whole Roman Empire became a Christian state without a sword being raised by the all-conquering new faith. This is remarkable growth, and it's impossible to explain without the resurrection. See, the reason Christianity grew so quickly is because there was eyewitness evidence. Hundreds of people roaming around the Roman Empire saying, I saw him alive with my own eyes. I touched where the, where the nails went in and where the sword went into his side. I, I felt it. He ate with me. He talked with me. And it was the testimony of these hundreds of people that gave such rapid rise to Christianity. In fact, uh, the, the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus Christ was uh, a fundamental part of the gospel proclamation in the early church. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the Scriptures, that He was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. You can go talk to them, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also 
to me. And this is not even the complete list. Actually, if you uh, go to the four Gospels and also the book of Acts, you'll see he, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, to another Mary, and some other women, to Peter, then to two disciples, then to ten disciples, then to eleven disciples, then seven disciples, then a commission of many of the apostles, then to five hundred brothers, then James, and then he ascended into heaven, and many witnessed that, and then also the apostle Paul. So Christianity's rapid growth was due in large part to the eyewitness testimony of people who saw Jesus alive from the dead. We have reason to believe that Jesus is in fact alive and that we will live again also. In 1956, a TV show, TV game show, launched called Tell the Truth. And, you, and it's, it's actually been around uh, ever since. The latest iteration was 2016. And you might not have heard of this game show, but you've certainly heard of its kind of final line in which it would say, would the, will, will the real blank please stand up? So this game show, you have, you have four um, interviewers, a panel of four, usually celebrities, and then you have three uh, contestants. And one of the contestants is the real person. Maybe they're an astronaut or a fireman. And then you have uh, two contestants who are imposters. And the imposters are allowed to lie. But the, the real person has to stick to the truth. And so the four panelists, uh, they're interviewing, asking questions, and uh, they have a certain amount of time to identify who the real you know, astronaut, for example, is. And then at the end, it's revealed. Well, Christian, who's the real you? You know, if uh, we... Uh, I just read that the oldest known person on earth has uh, just died, 117. So, how long do we get to occupy this body? You know, maybe 117 years, I hope. Uh, but then it's going to die. And how, if you're a Christian, how long, how long are you in this body? Forever. And so who's the real you? You know, will the real me please stand up? Is it this or, or is this the real me? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life, read that real life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What's he saying? Understand who you really are. If you're a Christian, this is the real you. This is just a super temporary you. And so, but, but how tragic it is that so many Christians are fixated on this me. And so we spend all our time and energy making sure that this earthly me has the big house and the nice car 
and doesn't make sure, don't pass me over for a promotion at work or I'm going to hold that against you for life. Don't say mean things about me. I got to make sure my body is chiseled, right? I got to make sure I'm financially secure. I got to make sure that I am sucking every ounce of pleasure out of the, this temporary existence I have. And then we, oh, I can't get to church every Sunday. Not that they were legalistic about that, but, you know, I, and I can't, I don't have time to hang out with God's people in a small group. And, uh, boy, I don't have any extras to fund God's missions on earth. I can't serve at the church. I'm just too busy. What? Taking care of this. And, and so what, what Colossians is telling us is uh, that's out of balance. Will the real me please stand up? And can it get a little bit more of our affection and attention? A couple of weeks, no, not about a week ago, I was uh, in the hospital uh, talking with a man who is uh, a couple months from death. He's got pancreatic cancer. And so I had a chance to just say, do you have any questions about what's coming next? He said, you know, I've been really working hard to be at peace with what's coming. And I reminded him of 1 John 5.12. I said, look, God doesn't want you insecure about your future. He says, I write these things to you, my brother, so that you may know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want anyone here questioning what's coming next. This resurrected body that we've been talking about and celebrating today, it is only guaranteed the Christian. The non-Christian will also rise from the dead, but not to inherit a resurrected body, but to experience a second death, an eternal separation from God and all that is good. We read about this in Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. I'm actually going to start in 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so this is available to everyone on planet earth. But you have to take it. It's yours for the taking. God has made this possible by his sacrificial death upon the cross and his resurrection from the grave. But you have to choose to embrace it. God says, I am not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone in this room to miss out on the awesome resurrection from the dead and life eternal with him. Well, how do we get it? John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's all about your relationship to Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it's super simple. If you turn away from your life of independence 
and to a life of dependence upon God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And you will celebrate uh, your new resurrected body.